You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Today, we'll be talking about the parable of the shrewd manager. Okay? And so, I'd like everybody to stand and um, join me as we read from Luke chapter 16, verses 1 to 13. Parable of the shrewd manager. Join me as, uh, as we all together uh, read. Again, starting from verse 1. He said to his disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager. And charges were brought to him that this man was wait, wasting his possessions. Say with me, wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do? Since my master is taking away the management away from me, I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. Verse 4, I have decided what to do. So when I am removed from management, people may receive me, into their houses. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. And he said to the other, How much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill, write eighty. Verse 8, The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by, uh, by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Verse 10, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have been faithful uh, uh, in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? If you have not been faithful in which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you continue to enlighten our hearts. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are in our midst. You are our teacher. Lord, we declare that apart from you, we can do nothing. Bless the preaching of your word and bless your people for the glory and honor of your name. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Wow, interesting parable, isn't it? The shrewd manager. As I go through the study, actually as we go through the study, uh, we were thinking to ourselves, we as pastors, thinking to ourselves, wow, this, this parable is quite hard. It's quite hard to interpret. Uh, it's quite hard to preach on. There are many angles, and so we spend some time praying, Lord, what is the message? What is the message? But before we go there, I'd like to say that the parable of the shrewd manager can be divided into two, right? Uh, verses 1 to 8 is the parable. Verses 9, verses 9 to 13 is really the application. And uh, the, what's interesting to note 
Of course, this parable started with chapter 16. But all throughout chapter 15, the previous chapter, uh, Jesus is talking about the loss. The lost coin, the lost sheep, the prodigal son. And then he jumps on to chapter 16 by saying, He also told he also speak to the disciples. And he says, there was a rich man. He jumped into the parable of the shrewd manager. Something that we need to consider. Something that we put, we put a lens on. Jesus was talking about the loss. Jesus was talking about the kingdom. And yet he jumped in to this parable. Parable of the shrewd manager. So, let's take a look at this parable more closely. First, shrewd. What does shrewd mean? What is the meaning of shrewd? Uh, in Filipino, sa Tagalog, tuso. No? Uh, wise or wais. No? Marunong. No? So, uh, shrewd, uh, it, it, this person is crafty, able to judge a situation and turn it into his own or for his own advantage. He is, an, he is opportunistic. He is shrewd. Doesn't care about anything else. All he wants to do, all he needs to do is, of course, to all for his own advantage. Shrewd. Manager. What is a manager? Well, number one, manager, a manager is not the owner. He only represents the owner. A manager has been entrusted with power and authority to make decisions in behalf of the owner. He acts and represents the owner. In a big enterprise, in a large enterprise, where the owner would have so many uh, subsidiaries, employees do not get a chance to see the owner or interact with the owner on a daily basis. What the employees see or interact with are the managers, the general managers, the, the uh, uh, chief operating man, uh, officers, but they rarely see or in, have an interaction with the owner, right? And so it's very important that the manager would represent the owners well. The manager, senior managers especially, would have that competency, would have that value of having the heart of the owner. That means he can make decisions and his decisions are aligned with the values, the likes and dislikes of the owner. So a manager here really represents the owner. He represents the owner. Now the parable starts with this. There are charges against this shrewd manager. So let's take a look at that. The charge. In verse 1, it says, He also said to the disciples, there was, a, there was a rich man who had a manager. And charges were brought to him that this manager, this man, was wasting his possessions. Say with me, wasting. Wasting his possessions. He does not own those possessions. He does not own those, those, those properties. He is uh, he's simply a steward. He's supposed to manage it, but the, the charges were brought against the manager that he is wasting. Perhaps he is misusing his authority. Perhaps he is misusing the influence and, and the power that he has for his own self-gain. Probably he is benefiting from, from what he is doing. So they start, you're wasting, uh, there's the charge, wasting my possessions. Next is that there are consequences. And so the consequence is this. In verse 2, and he called him and said to him, what is, this, uh, what is this that I hear about you? 
turn the account of your management. Turn in the account of your management. It's like uh, an audit. I want to see what you have been doing. I want to investigate what you have been doing. There's, all, there's already a bridge uh, of trust there. I wa- I'm, I'm not sure if you're representing me right, so I want to see what you are doing. I, you need to, to, to uh, uh, give an account. So there's going to be an investigation. For you can no longer be manager. It's the end for you. You can, uh, you can no longer be trusted with authority. You're going to be stripped of your position. You're going to be stripped of your, of your power. You're going to be stripped of your authority. You can no longer be a steward. You can no longer govern. The owner cannot afford to be represented anymore by this dishonest manager. He will be fired. Look at the person beside you. Say, you're fired. <laughs> All right, he's going to be fired, right? Um, I'll ask a question, but don't raise your hands. Who among you here have been fired before? <laughs> no, no, don't raise your hands. But imagine this. What if you have a manager? What if you have an employee? What if there is uh, um, uh, an employee that never shows up on time, never delivers on what is expected of him? He has, um, he's very negligent. He's low in his performance, consistently low in his performance appraisals, all right? And does not get along with his peers well, does not get along with his boss well. And uh, there, is, uh, uh, there is a suspicion of dishonesty. Therefore, this manager will surely uh, be fired. He surely be gone, no? So that's what's happening. You can no longer be manager and so he thought of a plan what will i do what will happen next i lose my job no income no work i couldn't get a referral maybe from my previous boss it's going to be on my 201 file where what will i do and so interesting interesting to note maybe he did some assessment he, he, he did some strategic planning. He did some SWOT analysis. What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are the opportunities and, th- and threats? What can I do? And so in his assessment, he says, I'm not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg, but what can I do? And so he came up with an action plan in, starting from verse 4. I decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their Houses. So he's strategic. He's thinking of options. And this is what he did. Verse 5 to 7. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write 50. Wow! 50% off. Huh? 50% off. Then he said to the other, How much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take, uh, take your bill, write 80. Wow, 20% off. Isn't that amazing? Who among us here love discounts? You love discounts? In this season of, um, 
uh, you know, bonuses in this season of your 13th month pay and year-end bonuses. Sumasabay yung mall, no? Sumasabay sila. May mga year-end uh, discounts, may mga sales. So, now, looking at this as a 50% discount on the first and a 20% discount on a second, we computed, what does that mean? That that amounts to 40 months pay. Four, zero, 40 months pay. About four, That's about 3.3 years of salary. No? It's not it's not 13 months, it's not 14 months, it's three years of discount. Isn't that amazing? Question. Have you ever received a discount from an amount you have owed? Have you ever received a discount? You owe somebody, someone, something, and then you receive a discount. Isn't that amazing? I remember the time uh, we were at the hospital because of an emergency, uh, medical emergency with my wife, and the bills were really just, uh, were just stacked up. And uh, of course, we were praying and God provided, but there's this one doctor. We had five doctors, uh, the surgeon, the cardiologist, the anesthesiologist, the PT, and the attending physician. Now, one of the doctors said, you know what, Pastor? You know, I, I just came from the uh, PCSO at that time. Every morning he would visit. She would visit, and then one morning I was not there because I was uh, getting the, the papers ready for the PS, P, uh, PCSO. And then she said, "You know what, Pastor? You don't have to worry about uh, my 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 bill." And so we were holding on to every word that she's about to say. But I have to charge you. But I have to charge you uh, just for. Uh, uh, the the BIR, the, just the bills. I'll charge you 100 pesos. Is that okay? And so we were looking, wow, really? As we're all teary, uh, tear-eyed, so we're saying, wow, 100 pesos. And that's amazing. And so, yeah, I'm just relating to this. These people, 100 measures of oil, uh, 100 measures of wheat, they receive a discount. And uh, probably they're thankful for life. They're thankful for life. What the shrewd manager did is, uh, scholars say, he excluded his commission in the accounts receivable. In doing so, he increased the collection. Instead of the owner losing 100 measures, he would only lose 50 measures of oil. Instead of the owner losing 100 measures of wheat, he would only lose 20 measures of wheat. And because of that also, he gained some friends for himself. Maybe friends for life, no? That's what he did. That was his plan and he executed it. Now, what happened was very interesting. The commendation from the owner himself. And so there's a little twist here. Uh, but let's look at the uh, commendation. Verse 8 of chapter 16. The master commended the dishonest manager. He's still dishonest. He's still not worthy to be represented, uh, to represent the owner. But he commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Commended for his shrewdness. Now, why did Jesus use this parable? What is Jesus saying? Is Jesus contradicting himself? No, Jesus used this parable to teach us a positive lesson from this negative example. That if dishonest people can be shrewd in doing or attaining what they want or to, to, uh, for their own gain, what more honest people? What more the people of God? Because the next uh, words in this verse says, For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons 
of lights. It's maximizing, say with me, maximizing the resources entrusted to us by God. Leveraging on every blessing, on every resource, on every opportunity that God has entrusted to us for His glory. The question is this, what are the things entrusted to us by God? Are there things that God has entrusted to us? What are those things? Interesting uh, to note, um, in the Garden of Eden, ang layo ng talon, no? biglang Old Testament. Uh, it's, just a, it's just a wonderful thing to, to see that um, in Genesis chapter 2, God planted the garden. Now, I know in Genesis chapter 1, God created the heavens and the earth. And he said, he spoke, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke again, let there be a separation of the expanse. And then he spoke again on the third day, there be uh, vegetation or plant life. But in chapter 2 of Genesis, interestingly to note, God planted a garden. And he placed man in his garden. Eden was set apart. Eden was God's favorite uh, possession. His masterpiece, his garden. And he placed man to be there. To represent God. To take care of the garden. He entrusted man to take care of the garden. So when Adam and Eve was walking around in Eden, creation was not only looking at man, but creation was looking at God in man. As Adam represented God. What does God own? Another question. What are the things uh, entrusted to us by God? To, to have the answer to that, what does God own? In Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It simply says, God owns everything. Say with me, everything. God owns everything. He is the creator and everything is His creation. God owns everything. And so everything that we see, everything that we have, really, it was, it was just entrusted to us. Or maybe sometimes we think, or baka ako lang yun. Sometimes I think. <laughs> sometimes I think, I did this for myself. I achieved this because I'm a hard worker, because I'm competent, because I'm gifted, because I'm skilled. I, therefore, I'm able to do or to achieve uh, all these things. But you see, even our skills, even our talents, even our competencies, even the opportunities that we have are given to us by God. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability, say with me, ability. In some translation, it's power. It is He who gives you the power to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant which He swore to your ancestors as it is today. If God owns everything, if this word is true, and we believe it, God owns everything, then we are all stewards. We are all stewards of everything that God has entrusted to us. Our skills, our giftings, our competencies, our possessions, our time, talent, and treasures, even our relationships. It was entrusted to us by God. The question now here, if we are all stewards, again, look at the person beside you, say, you're a steward. You have been entrusted with the things of God. 
If we are all stewards, the question now here is this. Are we good or bad stewards? How are we handling? How are we taking care? How are we making sure that the things entrusted to us by God is, is being used for His glory? Are we representing God well? Are we good or bad stewards? Again, looking at Luke chapter 16, verse 1, or are we bad stewards that are wasting His possessions? If you don't understand the, the purpose of the blessing, if you don't understand the things uh, that God has entrusted to us, we will be prone to misuse and abuse it. We will use it for our own self-gain. We need to have a healthy perspective of the blessings of God. So the question here, why does God bless us? Why does God bless us? Look at the person beside you. Is he blessed? He's so blessed, right? And so the question is, why does God bless us? What is the purpose for the blessings of God? What is the purpose for all this? Are we just entitled just because God saved us? Just because God redeemed us? Just because God favored us? Just because God saved us and delivered us? Does God owe us anything? Does He owe us the success just because we're saved, just because we're the children of God? Does God owe us a parking slot each time you park? Lord, I pray for a parking slot. Or does God owe us money each time we put that card in the ATM? Does God owe us anything? Does God owe us breakthroughs in our business? Does God owe us answer to our prayer requests just because He saved us? Truth of the matter is, God does not owe us anything, but we owe God our everything. Amen? Amen? Let's give God praise. We owe God our everything. Our lives, everything that we own, everything that we will have, we owe God our everything. And so the question still remains, why does God bless us? What is the purpose of the blessings of God? Again, we need to understand this very carefully. Genesis chapter 12 verse 2 says this, And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Say with me, blessing. From the back, say with me, blessing. <laughs> Not bossing, amen? But a blessing. Many times when people are blessed with power, blessed with uh, uh, position, blessed with money, blessed with, with all these uh, possessions, privileges, we feel that we're blessed to be a bossing, to lord it over people. But we are blessed to be a blessing. And so this is uh, what God said to Abraham, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. You are blessed to be a blessing. So maybe some, someone will say, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's for Abraham. I'm not Abraham. I'm rain. Rain, not Abraham. But this is for Abraham. And so in Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, it's interesting to see this. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to us the Gentiles. This is what Jesus did. This is what Christ did for us. So that the blessing that was proclaimed upon Abraham would also come to us. Now, let's give God praise. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? That we are blessed to be a blessing through Jesus Christ. So what is the purpose 
of the blessing. Again, what is the purpose of the blessing? Well, number one, we are blessed so that we may glorify God. We may thank God and we may acknowledge Him that He is God who provides, that He is God who is faithful, that He is God who takes good care of His children. Amen? Is God good? Come on, again, let's give God praise. He blesses us. And it's all for the glory of His name. Number one, purpose of the blessing for the glory of God's, of the glory of God. Number two, He blesses us so that we may be a blessing to others. It's not just for our own consumption. It's not just for that. You see, in Psalm 23, He says, I will anoint your head with oil. Your cup will overflow. So our cups really are designed to overflow. It is designed to overflow, hindi yung tapat or sapat. It's not just enough. It will overflow so that we continue to be a blessing to many, many people around us. Blessing in the city, blessing in our work areas, blessing in our community, blessing in our homes. You and I will become salt and light. We become a blessing. We are blessed. We are blessed by God not because we are good. We are blessed by God because He is good. He expresses His goodness. He expresses His love to His children, to you and to me, through His blessings. You are blessed because God loves you. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Come on, can we give God praise again? Lord, thank You that in spite of who I am, in spite of the shortcomings, You remain faithful. Your love continues on because You are good. You are good. So the blessings that we receive, it's not, just, it's not just for the increase of the standard of our living, but it is also for the increase of the standard of our giving, that we become a blessing. We receive your 13th month, praise God for the blessing. We receive the year-end bonus, praise God for the blessing. And now we pray, Lord, how can you be glorified with these blessings? How can I use it to represent you and give glory to your name? You see, money is a tool. Money is a tool. In fact, it is a powerful tool. Would you agree? It's a powerful tool to bless others. In Luke chapter 5, verse 29, something amazing happened. This is the account of Levi or Matthew when he was called by Jesus Christ. He said, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi or Matthew sitting at his tax booth. And he says, follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Verse 29, then Levi, right after following Jesus, right after responding to the invitation, right after responding to Jesus, Levi held a great banquet for Jesus. At his house, a large crowd of tax collectors and uh, others were eating with him. A great banquet. Not just a banquet, but a great banquet. A party. And he invited a large crowd of people. Not just people, but tax collectors. Sinners. So that they may know Jesus. Levi or Matthew leverage on his influence, leverage on his relationships, leverage uh, using his money and possession so that Jesus might be made known. Isn't that amazing? How can we use our money? How can we use the things that are entrusted to us by God for His glory? Well, 
one practical example is when we do one-to-one, ano ba naman yung kape? Di ba? Ano ba naman yung Starbucks? Di ba? Para lang ma-share mo yung one-to-one, para man lang ma-disciple natin. Amen? Di ba? Di ba? So one, that's one practical application of using our money, again, with the, uh, with the lenses of discipleship. There's a missional aspect to the blessing. It's not just for consumption, but there's a missional aspect to that. One-to-one. Another example is when we give to our uh, uh, EN building uh, project. You know, when we give to that building, we are, uh, as you know, at the video that we always show, we are training leaders and transforming nations. Uh, I'd just like to note that uh, just last Tuesday, uh, we had four graduates from our uh, church that went through the School of Leadership. And so four graduates from Alabang, let's give God praise. These are people who, who close all their options to what the world can offer and they're going to serve God uh, with their whole heart. And, and, and they went through training. Actually, four from, uh, took the course of uh, church leadership and then four from our campus missionaries. Right now, we have 11 campus missionaries in Alabang and we're adding four more campus missionaries. So we're beefing up the team and we're getting ready to continue to uh, uh, honor God and make disciples. Isn't that amazing? And you're part of it. So I'd like to take this time to thank you for partnering with us no? sa, sa, pag, sa EN building natin. Another uh, practical application is our real life. You know that real life is our compassion arm here in Victory. We provide uh, education to the underprivileged but deserving uh, individuals. Right now, we have 11 uh, scholars. And, and, and that's amazing. Again, thank you for your giving. Another application is on missions, 10-day missions. Uh, who among us here went to 10-day missions this year? Anyone? Oh, there you go. <laughs> so thank you for going. And again, thank you for supporting and giving to 10-day missions. No, again, these are practical applications on how we can use uh, our blessings to glorify God. Going back, Luke chapter 16, verse 9. And it says, I tell you. Say with me, I tell you. These four words that Jesus, that Jesus used is like saying, listen to me. What I'm about to say is important. I need your attention. I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. I tell you, if you look at the Bible, you look at your Bible, and it's a red letter Bible, you, you switch the pages, it's going to be highlighted in red because it is Jesus that is speaking and He's saying, I tell you, make friends, build relationships, use money as a tool to glorify God and to bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let us continue to, to have a missional mindset, a missional perspective on the possessions that we have. One person at a time, engaging culture and community. Make friends. And it says, use the money, love people. Not the other way around. Sometimes we love money and we use people. Let's not do that. In the world around us, people are being used to generate income, to generate money, right? Use people to gain money. But you see, the people of God, let's use the blessing. Use money. Love people. And again, it says, 
so that when it fails, say with me, when it fails, when money fails, it doesn't say if it fails, it says when it fails. Jesus is saying it will fail. Money will fail. When it does, when it fails, I'd like to show this. Um, this is Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago. Interesting trivia is um, 1923, a meeting of America's most powerful men took place at the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago. Attending the meeting were the following nine financiers and power brokers. The, number one, the president of America's largest steel company. Number two, the president of America's largest utility company. Number three, the president of America's largest gas company. Number four, the president of New York Stock Exchange. Number five, the president of uh, Bank of International Settlements. Number six, the greatest uh, investor for wheat uh, in the nation. Number seven, the world's greatest uh, investor monopoly. Uh, number eight, not the game monopoly, but... <laughs> monopolize. Yeah. Number eight, the member of, uh, a member of President Harding's cabinet. Number nine, the greatest investor on Wall Street. All of them. All of them met in 1923. They met to celebrate their success and to plan out how they will take dominion or to dominate the market. But interestingly enough, how did their life end? Well, three of them committed suicide Three of them uh, ended up uh, broke, died broke. Two of them went to prison. And one of them had a mental breakdown. When money fails, if we put our trust in money, it will fail. Money is not for us to put our trust in, but we are to put our trust in God and use the blessing, use the money that He gives us for His glory. Amen? God has entrusted us. With the money, God has entrusted you and me with opportunities, with possessions. Let us use it for His glory. And so I say, and so it says, when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Money is a tool. Next, money is a test. One of the ultimate issues of true Christian maturity is learning how to handle money. How to handle money. Luke chapter 16, again, verse 10 to 12 says, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. The one who is dishonest with very little is also dishonest in much. If you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you with... Uh, the, who will entrust you the true riches? If you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? If you are faithful with very little, then you are faithful with much. The call of God is for us to be faithful. Not great, but be faithful. Just faithful. Not grand, just be faithful. Not spectacular, but just be faithful. And he says to his servant, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. We are called to be faithful. Say with me, faithful. If you are unfaithful with little, then we will be unfaithful with much. If you are faithful with little, then we will be faithful 
with much. You see, being unfaithful or faithful is not a money issue. It's not a money issue. It is a heart issue. Faithfulness or unfaithfulness is an issue of the heart, not an issue of money. Money is amoral. It means it's not good and it's not bad. Money is amoral. Money will test and expose what is in the heart. If what is in the heart is good, you see, money is a multiplier, an enabler. So what, if what is in the heart is good, with money, many good things will come out. But, what, but if the, heart, the things in the heart is bad, with money, many evil things will come out. Many times we hear, oh, when he became rich, when he became wealthy, he became proud and arrogant. No, 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 no. He's already proud and arrogant before he became rich. He just didn't have the means to express it. Oh, he became a womanizer when, when, when he became rich. No, 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 no. He's already a womanizer. Before the money came, he just didn't have the means to it. Money exposes the heart or what's inside the heart. Being faithful or unfaithful, is an issue of the heart. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds. It's, see, it's not money. It's the love of money. It's the root for all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He also said in the first commandments, as we, as a review, right, we went through the series 10. The first commandment says, you shall have no other gods before me. No other gods except Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Can you just touch your heart, everybody, and declare, in my heart of hearts, there is no other God except Jesus. Money can also be a trap. Because of the love of money, people, instead of people owning money, it is money owning people. Verse 13, No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, we cannot serve God and money. Serve or service is equal to worship. That's why worship service or worship services is really, a, is really redundant. But service is worship. We cannot worship God and money. None in all scripture did God compare himself with or rival himself with anything else except money. In some translations, it says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is money and possessions. Tim Keller, uh, in his book, Counterfeit Gods, said this, We sin because we are looking to something else to give us what only Jesus can give us. Counterfeit gods, what is an idol? Tim Keller defines what an idol is. It is anything more important to you than God. It is anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. It is anything you seek to give what you only, what only God can give. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. And he goes on to explain. You see, idols are now no longer just the statues and you bow down to them. It's really idols of the heart. 
It's the idol of power, of, I mean, of comfort, idol of power, the idol of control, and the idol of approval. Say with me, approval. Interesting thing to note, beauty products, <laughs> beauty products, yeah, yeah, is a multi-billion dollar industry. So because people want to be approved and you know, meron ng pangpuputi, meron pang pakulot, ewan ko, may pang paitim, pero there are beauty products, right? Uh, nowadays, they say, if you're ugly, it's your fault. Because, <laughs> because all the things are available. So, yeah, moving forward, uh, yes, four idols. No? And he says, uh, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, but he who loves wealth nor he who loves wealth with his income is also vanity. Say with me, vanity. Then what then can satisfy? What then can satisfy us? True riches can satisfy us. What are the true riches? True riches really is having the ability to tap heaven's resource. Even the riches of heaven. Not just the riches of earth, but the riches of heaven, which are eternal. And the greatest treasure in heaven, the greatest riches or greatest treasure in heaven is Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. He is the greatest riches in heaven. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. True riches is a free gift that only God can give. We cannot buy true riches. It is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Nothing in the whole world or in the whole universe compares to Jesus. That's why it says, it says this, um, even it was uh, shared to us by uh, uh, Judge Lisa, For what does profit a man? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? even the whole universe, and loses or forfeits his own soul or himself. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 5 says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love uh, with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. It is God, it is Jesus Himself, which is our true riches. And it's the message of the gospel that has eternal value. And so all of us who have received Jesus, we are so blessed, not just with temporal riches, but with eternal riches, true riches. The question now, I guess, is this. What can we learn from this parable, the shrewd manager? How can we leverage with the, this wonderful spiritual investment or resources that are entrusted to us, Jesus, and the message of the gospel? You see, the message of the gospel in Romans chapter 1, verse uh, uh, 17, it says, or 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. Now we receive the gospel. It is with us. We enjoy eternal life. How are we handling this eternal, uh, this riches, which is entrusted to us, the gospel? You see, the gospel was not entrusted to the angels. 
He could have said, oh, yung mga angels, kayo mag one to one. Kayo mag victory weekend, ha? Kayo mag share ng gospel. No, it was not entrusted to the angels. It was entrusted to you and to me. Such a great deposit, the power of God unto salvation, for it was entrusted to you and to me. How can we now leverage on what we have to share to others? I believe this is where we can find satisfaction. Satisfaction of our earthly possessions when we use it in the light of true riches. When we use our earthly possessions in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Two fish, maybe five loaves, maybe maybe you have little. But what you have, if you give it to Jesus, Jesus can use it and multiply it to minister to the multitudes. Amen? Apart from understanding true riches, we will never be satisfied with our worldly possessions. Thank you, Lord. I'd just like you just to, to close your eyes just for a moment and think of the many, many blessings that God has given you. Many, many blessings that God has entrusted you. You see, God has blessed us not because we are good, but because He is good to us. And He is faithful. Lord, and daming blessings itong year na to. May trials din, pero may blessing. Kasi ang blessing ikaw. You are the blessing. You are the hope. You are what we have. Just begin to thank God right now. Just begin to thank God in your own words. I just pray, Lord, I thank you for entrusting me with, entrusting us with so much blessings. Thank you for the work. Thank you for the salary. Thank you for the money. Thank you for the opportunities that you grant my way. Lord, I acknowledge that you own everything. Everything belongs to you. But yet you entrusted it to me, some to me, so that I may represent you well. Thank you, Lord. Just lift up your hands before the Lord right now. Lord, we are your people. You are our God. You have blessed us in such a way that we become channels of your blessing to many, many people, Lord. You download to us spiritual blessings, heavenly blessings, and people around us are blessed. Lord, release your, continue to release your blessing upon your people that we continue to live life that would give glory to your name. That you'll continue to be a salt and a light, a blessing to our community, a blessing in our workplace, a blessing in where you have placed us. Lord, thank you. Lord, we surrender everything to you. We declare you are our true riches. You are our true eternal, everlasting treasure. And Lord, we bless you. And right now, we give you glory. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, for your love. The love of God really is expressed, showcased upon the cross. That's where He showed His love for you and for me. By paying the penalties of our sins, dying on the cross so that we may live. If you are here and we've been talking about true riches, but you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, We'd like to pray for you so that you may receive the blessings of God, eternal life, and forgiveness of sin. If this is you, kindly just lift up your hands so that we can pray. I see that hand, mom. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Let's, I'd like you to pray this prayer.
if you're lifting up your hands and you want to receive Jesus, I'd like you to pray this prayer. In fact, I'd like everybody here in this room to repeat after me and let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for the forgiveness that you bought on the cross. I come to you right now just as I am. And I declare, I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Lord, I believe that you are the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of this world. Would you remove and take away my sins? I place my trust in you. I declare with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord. I believe in my heart that Jesus raised from the dead. I now receive forgiveness of my sins and eternal life through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God praise. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God.